Hi, this is Larry Wilson, and this is How to Talk to Humans. This is the podcast that shows you how to improve your communication skills. Are you looking to get a better job? Are you looking to find a relationship? Are you trying to do things in your life that have frustrated you and eluded you so far? I can show you so easily how to change that. Now, I can only do it with humans. If you're looking to deal with vampires or zombies, extraterrestrials, this is not the show for you. But if you're really looking to improve your communication skills, I can show you what I've learned from 40 years in show business working with the biggest celebrities and superstars in the world, and their secrets are unbelievable. What I'm going to be teaching you during the course of this podcast every week are tools that you can use to communicate toward success. Hi, this is Larry Wilson. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of How to Talk to Humans. I have a very special guest today, uh, special in so many different reasons. Um, I've known him for a million years. I've known him really since he was a teenager, and uh, he had a long and illustrious and successful career in show business, but then very wisely progressed onto more important things, and now uh, is the founder and CEO of his own company, Credit Repair Cloud, that has been phenomenally successful. And as I was mentioning to my producer before we went to air here, probably this guest I'm about to introduce is probably the most successful person I personally know. I have met and interviewed other gigantic captains of industry, but I didn't actually know them. But this is somebody I know, and this is quite an extraordinary story. And, of course, I think a lot of it has to do with his communication skills. So, without further ado, let me introduce to you the founder and CEO of Credit Repair Cloud, Daniel Rosen. Hey, please, please, don't stop. <laughs> Thank you for that great intro. The audience? And we should say Credit Repair Cloud, by the way, is a software company. Oh, you know what? Good point. Um, yeah. I, I hope that you won't hesitate to jump in and correct any of the mistakes I make because... <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Seriously, because sometimes when you're so close to a topic, you forget that some things may not be... Uh, common knowledge to everyone. Uh, yes, and and it's also interesting, and one of the reasons I was so excited to get you on the show here is because uh, tech is not really my strong suit. You know, I, I sometimes stumble through it, or I get the, I enlist the aid of other people who know more about it than me. But I think that's particularly interesting with this company you've built. Um, let me just. Well, tech's not my strong suit either. Even though I'm the founder of a software company, well, all I know is show business. Well, you but, you say that, but you're being modest because I remember mm-hmm. very clearly when I 
would see you at the computer sometimes for what seemed like days uninterrupted, you understood stuff about tech that I didn't have a glimmer about. So That's true. I, I did get into computers early. It was my way to get gigs mm-hmm. in the early days of the computing. Right. But we should talk about how I met you okay. because that's a, a pretty freaky story. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, for people who don't know me, um, I was really into juggling. I left home when I was a, a kid and I was really, really into juggling. It's all I would do. And luckily I got really good at it because when I was on the streets, after I ran away from home, I juggled on street corners to make money to eat. And, and then over time I started to learn that if I could make people laugh, they put more money in my hat. And then I was doing comedy juggling and then slowly more and more comedy and less and less juggling. But it was on my corner that I met you in 1982. Yep. 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 On my corner in Westwood. (laughs) I was starstruck because I had just seen you on Dinah Shore earlier that week. Oh my God. For some people listening, Dinah Shore was a very famous and popular singer who then later in her career had a whole talk show thing. And somehow I wound up on there as a regular guest. Uh, but uh, that I, f- I had forgotten the story, but now that you say it, I remember it's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you were putting together a show and I had, I had this, dream of, okay, so I was, by that time I was a world champion juggler. Um, and what do you do when you're the world champion juggler? I thought, well, I could be in the circus, but that was kind of gross. Um, (laughs) it was, um, but because I knew people in the circus and it was kind of a, not, not such a good life. (laughs) But then I got this idea that I was going to be in the ice capades and so I would take my money. Well, what, what I would do is I would street perform on the weekends. I'd practice juggling eight hours a day. Then I started going to this ice rink in Santa Monica. And I went to the ice skating rink and I said, I'd like to have ice skating lessons, please, because I'm going to be in the ice capades. They said, have you ever skated? And I said, no. And they thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. But I started getting ice skating lessons and I started train all week. and. Sure enough, I had made it into the ice capades. Right when I met you, they had told me I was going to be in the ice capades um, later in the year. And I had another gig I was supposed to do, also skating and juggling. But you offered me a gig. Mm-hmm. And I saw it was you and your troupe mm-hmm. with John Davidson on Catalina Island. And, and I thought, these guys are really fun. I want to have fun this summer before I go off in the ice capades. So I went and did your gig. And then that really messed me up because that's when I started to really, really like comedy. And then I went off and did the ice capades and I hated it. And I really, really missed doing the comedy. And then I came back and you and I ended up living in the same apartment building. Mm Mm-hmm. You were my upstairs neighbor, mm-hmm. and I studied everything you did. You you actually were my mentor for many, many years. I did everything you did. I learned how to book clubs. 
I, I learned how to call clubs again and again and again uh, till they would hire me to get me to stop calling. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. I do. That was a full-time job. <laughs> no kidding. But anyway, it led to this long career in show business from the streets. Um, a lot of big stuff, but all of it I learned from you. How to put together a show, how to produce a show, how to write a show. Well, you're very kind. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I well, I like that's very kind of you to say. I, I think uh, I may have been one of a number of different influences uh, because I saw there were a lot of, of very, very good communicators around you. I saw a lot of them. But just before mm-hmm. we go further, I want to point out something for people listening to this because you glossed over something. As is What's so that? well, it's so frequently the case when you're when you do something, and uh, you, I mean anyone, you always think, well, it can't be that hard because I did it, you know. But I want to emphasize something Daniel said here that's kind of mind-boggling. Daniel decided he wanted to be in the ice capades. Now, first of all. If you go online, I'm sure if you go on YouTube or someplace, you can find video of Daniel juggling. And he, when he says he was a world champion juggler, he doesn't mean like his mom said, you're really good, you're like a world... He actually competed against all these other jugglers in the world, and Daniel could do some unbelievable things. I mean, really unbelievable things. That's already amazing. But to then decide, oh, I'm going to do it on ice skates does sound a little crazy. Because you think, well, you'd have to be skating since you were a little kid. But Daniel saw what he wanted to do, went to the ice rink, said, I want you to teach me to skate. And by God, I saw him with my own eyes. I saw Daniel on ice skates doing stuff that, doesn't seem possible on dry land. So I only bring this up because I think there's a very important message there about focus and commitment Mm -hmm. to what you're going to do. I wouldn't have thought, if you asked me to bet on that, I wouldn't have thought it was possible that somebody could learn to ice skate well enough to even do what you did, let alone get into the frigging ice capades. Um, sure. It was, it was fairly amazing. It was fairly amazing stuff. Um, and it, the whole thing is, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought there, but it was, That's okay. it, it was fairly incredible. Um, and you got so good at, the juggling stuff, I'll never forget this. He said that uh, I was his upstairs neighbor, which is true. And so there was an outdoor staircase that led up to the back door of my apartment. I'll never, mm-hmm. I'll never forget this. And one day, I was at the top of the stairs, and you were down in the parking lot or something, and you wanted something, or I had your keys or something. And you said, uh, just throw them down to me. And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm not sure I can throw them that accurately. And he said, well, it doesn't matter. I can make them go anywhere. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he said, well, I can make them go into my pocket. And I thought, what are you talking about? 
And he said, just throw them. So I threw the keys, and somehow you just moved a little bit, held your pocket open, and the keys went right into it. Do you remember this? I don't remember it. <laughs> I'm sure to you it was nothing. <laughs> that's that's wild. To me, it blew my mind. It meant that you had learned something about moving through space and and you know gravity and velocity and all these things that it was so intrinsic to you it was so child's play to you that throwing six balls in the air and keeping them in the air while you turn around and you put them under your leg and you're playing the banjo with the same all this other mm-hmm. like, like was nothing to you so i i only bring this up because I think an important message, an important lesson that has to do as well with communication, the better you get at it, you know, it's very, very uh, flattering of you to say that you learned all this stuff from me. I hope I was able to, to pass along something. But like with all these things, you became an expert marketer of yourself as a performer. And whether it's because you got it from me or someone else, I, I just know that it was about communication. And and that's as simple, you know, nothing tricky, nothing complicated, but it's that old story in show business that, you know, you can develop certain skills, whether you're a juggler or ventriloquist or acrobat or magician, whatever it is, but that's kind of only half of the battle. Then there's that other marketing half that you were talking about, calling people sure. and continuing to call them until they book you just so you'll stop calling. You know, I mean, that's really the truth with a lot of that stuff. Um, but uh, sure. but also, Daniel may be, uh, may be too modest to elaborate some of the stuff. I'll tell you. I mean, he was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson more than once. And he was yeah. on sitcoms. I, um, Head of the Class, is that the name of the sitcom? Head of the Class, Golden Girls. That's right. All kinds of stuff. That's right. I mean, he really had a phenomenal career. And, I, you know, I would have to say, if there was something that was going to characterize it, that quality that had a a street juggler go and take ice skating lessons because he wanted to be able to skate well enough to do his act in the ice cabins. I think that you applied that same singularity of focus and commitment to all the stuff you were doing in show business, to the TV stuff. Oh, and to absolutely. And what it would be is going so focused that life became unbalanced. I'd be so focused on one thing, even building the software company. I was so focused on doing this thing. I, I sat in a little room for five years. Um, I didn't, it was just crazy. I didn't sleep. I didn't really bathe. I didn't, I remember <laughs> brush I, my teeth. No, yeah. I, I remember very clearly. There would be some times when I would come downstairs to look in on you when you were doing something on the computer. And this is why I said before, when you you said, oh, uh, tech is not really my strong suit. 
I'm thinking, well, all things are sort of relative. Mm-hmm. You're, you're comparing yourself to some of the top programmers who you have hired for your company now. Sure. And I'm sure... Yeah, that, they're really technical. Right. I can draw a picture. Right. I'm sure those guys are like geniuses. <clears throat> but I remember I would come downstairs and find you working on something. Maybe it was an image or a graphic that you're building or something. And it would, like several days, and I could see that you had not moved from that chair. That, right. That, yeah. you know, you really focused in on that. And... Um, well, on the clock, no sleep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I, of course, am not urging people to necessarily go without sleep or food or things like that. But that, as with all these things, it's all relative. If you have something that you're working on, mm-hmm. now this is my bias, of course. If you're working on improving your communication skills, if you put 30 minutes a day towards that, in a month, you're going to be hugely improved. You're going to be so much better. Just 30 minutes a day. If you put five minutes a day, you're going to be better over time. You don't have to do as intensely focused as Daniel was, where whatever it is you're working on, you do to the exclusion of all the rest of life. But that kind of focus and commitment always yields results. Always. Sure. It's Consistency. Like Bill Hudnut, our old teacher, used to say. All right. You're going to have to... Every day you do at least one thing to move your career forward, you'll always have momentum. Absolutely right. Now, you're going to have to tell him. I'll let you tell him who Bill Hudnut is. May he rest in peace. Well, Bill Hudnut uh, taught us comedy for sitcoms. Mm-hmm. He was uh, uh, like a... I don't know how to describe it. You could probably describe it better than me. <laughs> well, it's funny because you're the one who introduced me to Hudnut. So I have you to thank for that. Um, Bill Hudnut was a a guy in Hollywood who'd been involved with television and comedy and stuff, I guess, for years and years. Mm-hmm. And he had a particular training program that was exclusively focused on people who were interested in being in sitcoms. And he wasn't training you to be a Shakespearean actor. He wasn't training you to be any other kind. He wasn't training you to do Broadway, you know, musicals. It was exclusively about learning the timing and the technique and the skills that were going to be useful in sitcoms. Now, I unfortunately, uh, I mean, there's a number of reasons I can think of. One, I'm really bad at auditioning. I'm extremely bad at that. Um, But I never, ever showed up uh, on any sitcoms. I never managed to get any traction there. But you did very, very well there. And, you know, that Hudnut class was extraordinary. And there were quite a few people that we met in those classes who some of them went on to have a very illustrious careers, but some um, were already famous. Yeah. Like yeah. 
one day, I, I think you said to me, do you know who that, it was Mary Wilson, right? Um, Mary Wilson of the Supremes mm-hmm. was in our class. And I didn't know who she was. You told me, mm-hmm. if I recall. Yeah. And um, Fee Waybill of the Tubes. Yeah. Well, we, we had lots and lots and lots of famous people in this class. But it was it was amazing. It helped me a lot. Oh, me too. Uh, it, I did, it was incredible. Um, yeah, I did remember, that. I did the Groundlings. Yeah. Right. I never, I never did the Groundlings. But remember uh, the Olympic uh, diver Greg Luganis was yes. in our class? He sure was. There were, I mean, there were some really... The two famous bodybuilders, the Barbarian Brothers. The Barbarian Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they were so funny. They were, I mean, if you've ever seen them or you've seen pictures of them, they're gigantic. I mean, uh, I don't know, they must be both of them six foot six and, I don't know, 250, 300 pounds. I mean, they're gigantic. And I think they were used to kind of intimidating people physically and Hudnut, mm-hmm. you know, Hudnut would set up, you know, there'd be a scene and he, whatever it was, and he just randomly assigned people. But some of it I think was not as random as it might appear because Hudnut frequently would put me in with one of the barbarian brothers. And do you remember what they used to call me? No. <laughs> They'd get into some scene with me where they were trying to physically sort of intimidate me. And of course, I'm thinking, well, nothing's going to happen to me. This is just an acting class, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I would go off on some crazy tangent. They used to call me Mr. Words. Oh, that's what I've always called you. <laughs> well, I didn't know they called you that. Yes, the Barbarian Brothers go, oh, you're going to put me up with Mr. Words again. And then also there was a, there was a, like a world champion boxer, wasn't there? In Ray the- Boom Boom Mancini. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, my God. Yeah. He had actually killed somebody in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I forgot. Oh my God, Mancini is right. Well, um, but you were saying, I'm sorry, I digress again. Uh, oh, I was saying it was a, it was a great class for me. You, earlier you mentioned Johnny Carson. I did Johnny Carson several times, um, until he got angry at me oh. because I got a show opposite him. Thanks to what I learned on, in the Bill Hudnut class and the groundlings, I, uh, I, I ended up getting offered this show on Fox and I didn't know Johnny even paid attention, but apparently got very, very angry. I didn't know until that he was angry until the show got canceled and we tried to get back on and he said, Oh, Johnny's very angry at Daniel. He didn't ask permission to do a show opposite us. Wow. I, I just was wanting to pay my rent. I didn't know that until just now. Yeah. And, but of course I love the, um, the throwaway line you just mentioned, to pay my rent. This interview with Daniel uh, exceeds my expectations, of course. I'm not really surprised because I know his story is incredible. It really is incredible. In fact, so much so, I don't want you to miss out on anything. So we're going to extend it into next week's show. I'm going to wrap it up here, this first part. Then next week, we'll come back and you'll hear more. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. So if you'll come back to How to Talk to Humans next week, not only will you get to hear more of Daniel's 
incredible tale, but it will also cost exactly the same as this week's episode. So I hope those of you who are on a budget appreciate that uh, money-saving tip. And I'll see you next week here. I'm Larry Wilson, and this is How to Talk to Humans. This has been Larry Wilson. I want to thank you for spending this time with me, and I hope you found this information useful. If you're looking for more, you can find it at thewilsonmethod.com. There's a ton of stuff there. In fact, if you want, you can even speak to me because I'm human. Send me an email at info at wilsonmethod.com because I read every single one. I hope that you'll join us next week in this continuing journey and you'll be with me for the next episode of How to Talk to Humans. <laughs>